Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, it's your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, CEO of Woodshed Agency, one of your marketing firms out there, maybe one of the best. I don't know. I, I don't know who really ranks that stuff, but we do lots of crowdfunding. But this is our podcast. It's called Successfully Funded. And if this is your first time here, let me quickly say thanks for showing up. This is awesome to have you. Um, what we do here is we talk to project creators while they're in the middle of a campaign or right after their campaign has ended. And I want to talk about what did they do? How did they get their project funded? Uh, what, were the, you know, what were the formulas? What did they focus on? So that way you're getting the most up-to-date information. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people are, are you know, quoting a blog from you know, 2015 about what was successful. And you know what? The internet is kind of different. So I like to talk to project creators while they're uh, you know, in the middle of the campaign, just finished up. That way we are getting the most up-to-date information. So on today's episode, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Um, I've got a phenomenal interview um, coming up here with uh, Alicia Lavino from her book, The Heretic, Exposing a Real-Life Ancient Secret. So she ended up raising just under $40,000 for a book, which is huge in the publishing community and uh, in the land of Kickstarter. So really, really big campaign. So this is this is something I'm super, super excited about. Um, and we had a great conversation about, you know, what worked, what didn't, um, you know, what, she, you know, how the project kind of came together. And it's got an amazing, amazing story. So make sure you guys stay tuned for my, uh, for my conversation here uh, with Alicia here in just a moment. So if you are a regular listener, again, thank you. Um, but you also know that I've actually been out the last couple episodes. Um, and I had Sean filling in, my business partner, Sean. And as you, if you, again, listen to the last few episodes, you, you, you might realize the reason I was out is, uh, is my dad did pass away. Um, and if you've been a listener for a long time on, on these episodes, you know that he's been struggling for, uh, or was struggling for a long time. And, uh, a couple Sundays ago, um, uh, he passed away and, uh, yeah, it, um, it wasn't awesome. Um, if anybody's ever gone through this, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you're lucky, um, because it truly was, uh, one of the worst things I've ever gone through. Um, something that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. Um, so yeah, my dad was very, very sick. Um, and you know, it was definitely a struggle at the end. Um, but, uh, you know, but I, you know, we're okay. Um, my mom's struggling a lot right now. My sister's struggling a lot. My sister's, uh, really put in a lot of work. Um, um, as somebody who's, she's in the, the, you know, the, um, paramedic world and, um, sorry, a lot of ums cause it's hard to talk about. Um, so she's struggling a little bit, um, and I'm just trying to keep the old family together, you know, the usual stuff like that. So definitely been heavy, um, around here lately, right after, um, you know, he died. I had, the, we had the funeral, I think the following Thursday, I left for DC on Wednesday, um, went to a, a, a dad's conference and got home Sunday. Uh, and then this following Wednesday, we actually had the burial, uh, so it has just been bang, bang, bang. Um, inside of that, you know, kids have been missing school because we've had been, you know, they've been with us. 
we were on, they, I took them on the trip to DC, which, you know, which I'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Um, and then this week we've got tomorrow off and they got a half day on Friday. So it is just literally as hectic as possible. Um, but I can say as like, you know, um, this sort of event here has definitely triggered a ton in me. I'm, you know, I can feel myself starting to make some pretty big changes, uh, just around, you know, the food I put in my body, choices I'm making, the fact that I work seven days a week, uh, a lot of stuff I'm doing is not sustainable. And I can start to feel that. And I can see that um, in the Wenzel DNA and the Wenzel timeline, it, that's a, you got to be very cautious about that. Um, so there's a lot going on, no doubt about it. Um, but this podcast, like always, uh, again, if you go back to probably episode, you know, the episodes in the 20s to this episode being, I don't even know, 160 something. Um, you know, I've used this podcast as an outlet to some degree to talk about these things um, back when, you know, my dad was supposed to pass away a few years ago um, when he first started, you know, when he got sick. But it's almost been a decade, truly. It's actually been uh, just about nine years that he's been sick. So we have been dealing with a lot. Um, but that, that chapter has come to a close and we're, we're starting to write, uh, write the new chapter. Let's talk about DC a little bit. Kind of get out of that headspace. So DC was a, uh, I was at a dad's conference called dad 2.0. Uh, it's something I've been to the last couple of years, something I'm, I'm very fond of, uh, something I, you know, I think is, is trying to do good in the world. Um, uh, but this year, the conference was an absolute train wreck for myself. So I'll talk about that here in a second. Um, but the trip, all in general, DC was great. You know, DC was awesome. It was clean. We drove the subways. My kids were there. My wife was there. We went and saw a ton of museums. We went, you know, we, uh, we went to the zoo. We ate out. It was a really solid, like almost four days of just uh, just having a having a great trip. Unfortunately, on the conference side, like I mentioned, um, I was there actually as a speaker talk about crowdfunding and how to raise money for your project and kind of got kind of got screwed over a little bit um which i was kind of blown away with um since i'm you know I, I know the guy who runs the conference and stuff but yeah i was um you know supposed to go on at five o'clock uh, for my uh, my presentation and i've got a solid deck if as you guys if you guys are around my world you know that we build we build good decks we, this is something that i think we're pretty good at and um yeah so the woman before me she you know, was supposed to go to four to four forty five. She ended up going an extra half hour over and there was no moderator. Nobody like came in the room and, and moved us along and it just turned into a train wreck. So I ended up doing a presentation for, you know, roughly about a, about four people. So uh, really not worth it at the end of the day. Um, so not happy about that, but you know, I guess you win some, you lose some. Um, just at this point, I was not really into like striking out uh, again here. Cause it's been uh, like I said, it's, a lot going on but what was also intriguing is you know kind of what happened afterwards i mean so this was saturday from that point on we had to fly out of dc with the family at uh, our flight was at like 7 40 in the morning um that sunday so we had to get the airport really early and going through screening was awful my daughter got some i don't know some little slime thrown away that she bought with her own money so that turned into a train wreck my water bottle had to be thrown out um so those two things sucked. Then the, um, the flight, you know, we had like 10 extra TSA agents in front of our gate rescreening everybody. So that created a lot of pressure. Boarding was like delayed. They started it, then they stopped it and they shut all the doors. So that made it really intense and, and had a, you know, and then from there, uh, you know, my, my kids are eight and six. 
they ended up separating us. You know, I picked, I picked that we needed to sit together, but Delta decided to separate all of us for some reason. And the gate person was like, not that helpful, but then was like, Oh, you guys can just sit at the very end of the plane. It's like, okay, cool. I didn't pick that, but whatever. Um, we get back there and the flight attendant's really rude in terms of like, you can't sit back here cause we need these, you know, we need these seats. And I'm like, I got an eight and a six year old man. We're spread out throughout the plane. I'm not having a, you know, a guy named Nick sit next to my six year old daughter on her second plane ride ever. So that was stressful. Um, ultimately they got to sit together in the back row and I went up to set one of our seats so that was a train wreck getting um getting my car was a train wreck in terms of like how long that took uh that day i had a whole bunch of weird things happen where like the restaurant messed up my order that i ordered and i'm just like god come on guys um so that sunday just kind of melted down so i'm a little i'm i don't know maybe my week was last week to be a chaotic mess um you know uh because this week it seems like it should be with the time change with friday the 13th um you know you know it, oh in a full moon this whole week or something like that. i mean it feels like this week should be nuts for everybody but who knows so um but i'm rambling a little bit so been a lot going on that's where i've been the last um you know 21 days or so it's been an absolute uh just been a lot so um i appreciate you guys listening i appreciate everybody who is a subscriber to this podcast um this is why we do it and uh, hopefully you guys are getting a lot out of it. But okay, why don't we go ahead and kick into my conversation with Alicia? Let's go ahead and talk about fun stuff, right? <laughs> Let's get out of the negative. Let's go talk fun stuff. Let's talk about her amazing book. Uh, it's called uh, The Heretic, Exposing a Real Life Ancient Secret. Um, so again, very, very cool. It's a spiritual and historical novel. Um, and supposedly it changes everything. Hopefully I'm selling it enough. But Okay. Um, let's go ahead and kick my conversation, and uh, here we go. All right, Alicia, so the red light's on, so why don't we do a quick sound check? And I'll also, I'll ask my famous question here about what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> I always have the same thing. I had a glass of water with half a lemon squeezed into it to kickstart metabolism. And then I have a scrumptious latte. I used to be a barista. And so I have a really fancy coffee set up and uh, I always make myself something decadent. <laughs> Wow. Very, very nice. That's fancy. It's uh, I didn't have anything today. I, I was, I was bebopping and scat and I had to get out today. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I almost never have food, but always the latte. Okay. Very nice. Very cool. Uh, so you spent some time as a barista. Is that what you're saying? I did. Yeah. That was okay. Very cool. So you could make all the fancy stuff. Can you make like the designs? Oh, absolutely. It's, it will probably, I, I love what I do now, but Barista will always be in the running for all-time favorite job. It's just an amazing thing to do. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good to know. Cool. I think we're sounding good. We can probably uh, pivot and move on to why we're actually talking. So, um, so why don't you tell my listeners about what you just raised money for over on Kickstarter? Oh, well, I have spent the last six years researching and writing my debut novel, The Heretic, um, about... Six and a half, seven years ago, I was traveling across France with my grandmother. 
and we went up to the little mysterious village of Rennes le Chateau in the south of France. And you might know it from the Da Vinci Code and a, you know, a lot of other famous conspiracy theories and things like that. And we hired to show us around the foremost expert, English speaking expert, I have to say, um, Henry Lincoln. And this is the man who co-wrote Holy Blood, Holy Grail in 1982, international bestseller. Um, and he showed us this presentation and he took us around and pointed out these codes that had been hidden in the church. And I was blown away. My jaw was dropped the whole time. I'm following along, I'm on the edge of my seat. And at some point I must've turned to him and said, but you realize this should change the way that we see everything. And he just looks at me and, and says, yes. And when the day was finished and we were loading back into the car, he pulled me aside and he put his hand very dramatically on my shoulder and he said, il faut que tu reviennes, j'ai besoin de toi. You must come back, I need you. I said, well, um, I'm dropping my grandma at the airport on Monday, so I can be back Tuesday. And uh, that began an adventure where uh, he was looking for somebody to pass along his decades of research, somebody who could carry on the legacy, and somebody who could bring the real story to the modern world. And so the heretic, long story long, uh, the Heretic is a novel that puts all of those pieces back into place. It jumps back into history and gives the cultures that we're dealing with this ancient secret. It follows the journey of a modern woman who is dealing with the dilemmas that we deal with every day and kind of has to put these pieces into place and figure out what they mean for her life. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. So... <laughs> Yeah, kind of blown away on that. So what, I mean, outside of that, was there an idea prior to that though of writing a book or, you know, or is that something that you had in, you know, as a, as a thought, like as a dream and then you just kind of fell on this or like, were you searching out to some degree to write something about what you were just talking about? You know, that's a great question. Um, so I've been writing for as long as I can remember. Um, before this project, you could usually find me at a coffee shop with a notebook. And the most common question I ever got is, what are you writing? What do you write? What have you published? And I would always kind of chuckle at that because my answer was always the same. I'm a writer, so I write. One day there will be a story that needs telling and I'm going to be ready. <laughs> sure, sure. Right, right. Interesting, interesting. So it's just something that's just kind of been just in you. You just, I, you create that way, huh? Rilke said in his letters to a young poet, ask yourself if you must write. And if you must, then just give yourself to it totally. So I was well and truly in that camp before ever there was a story that needed telling. Right. Talk a little bit about this partnership um, in terms of like, how does that work in in terms of uh, of a book like um you know is it more just inspiration i mean like, like that relationship with, with uh henry right henry uh, henry lincoln, lincoln yeah mentioned, right yeah like how does a relationship like that work together in a book is it, it, it just i actually i have no idea i've never wrote a book so <laughs> you know so yeah yeah so how does that kind of work so he's just really been my mentor throughout this process um when I first started, the idea kind of came up over coffee. 
um, I was reading a, a little novel that had something to do with the mysteries of the region. And he said in passing, you know, what did you think? And I said, as a joke, it was okay. I could do better. And oh my goodness, if he didn't lean forward, look at me and say, so do it. About five minutes later, he said, what are you still doing here? You're busy. I said, okay, uh, he, you have a book to write. So I ran down the hill to my little apartment in the backwoods of France. And that afternoon, well, by that evening, I had 50 pages and I sent them along to him. And he said, you're doing it. Keep going. And that turned into three weeks of me hardly looking up from the page. And that turned into five years of editing and rewriting and learning how to do justice to this story and learning how to really craft a novel um, in not just a compelling way for a modern audience, but in a way that is really true to these histories. Gotcha. So where does this sort of land in terms of fiction, nonfiction? I mean, where does it kind of land because of the story and stuff? It's a bit of a mix, which is always tricky in publishing. So the genre is actually visionary fiction. And visionary fiction is an up and coming, but still little known genre um, with books like The Celestine Prophecies, Jonathan Living Siegel, uh, The Mists of Avalon. These are books that actually allow you to embark on your own journey. And so there's a spiritual component. There's usually ancient wisdoms and, and lessons. Probably the most famous is The Alchemist. Um, and it's, we can all sort of go on that journey, even though a story is being told about someone else. And so that's really where the heretic falls. But there are elements of historical fiction. There are elements of magical realism. There are elements of thriller, although it's not a true thriller. Because of that spiritual journey, this is a book you're going to pick up and set down in the same way that you might do that with your favorite nonfiction um, spiritual book or self-help type thing. You're going to stop and integrate in between some of the major shifts. Sure. Interesting. Interesting. Let's go back a little bit to that, that five-year period of you kind of crafting and, and putting this together. You know, what is, kind of walk us through, like, what, what is a typical day? Is it always creating? Is it editing? Is it finding people to help edit? Is it research? Like, what, what is a process, uh, you know, day-to-day -day in, in something like this? It feels like a huge, huge undertaking, you know? It is. Um, I kind of go through phases. Um, so phase one is living the story. And that is what we call research. But when you're looking at something like this, where you do have historical information, but we're also wondering, how does this apply to us? Why should we care? And so this isn't a story where I'm just reading things in books. I'm, I'm visiting places. I'm touching the old stones of the sites that I'm talking about. I'm sitting there for long periods of time. And, and most of the segments of the book that are about certain places are actually written in that place. So you can really get a feel for the place itself. Um, I love the living it phase. Um, it's easy as a writer to feel guilty because there's a lot a ton of writing that's happening during that phase. You're, you're really out running around. It looks like playing um, and reading tons of interesting things. And, um, and then that transitions 
really quickly into writing. And what that means is one day I wake up and I can't not write. And this is something that I've had to put systems in place in my life because I will forget to eat. I will forget to sleep. I have no sense of whether it's day or night or who's calling or anything that's happening outside of me, the page and my cup of coffee. Um, that's really my favorite part of the whole thing. Um, because it's when I get to go on the adventure, you know, for the reader, they're going to enter into the adventure when they're reading the book. For me, that happens when I'm writing it. You know, if I'm writing something terrible, I'm sobbing. If I'm writing something wondrous, I'm elated, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's something, I mean, I used to be in the, uh, well, I still am in a little bit in the creative space. I would do that in the songwriting world. Uh, I used to write songs. I think any just, artist just, can relate. Yeah, you just disappear and lose yourself. And you're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've been in the same clothes for three days. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I wrote three songs, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, kind of going into this type of journey, um, what are you looking at in terms of, like, kind of starting to, to think about expenses and and how, how to sort of where where will this go where will I find the money where where will the audience be um, you know again five years is a long time so like what are some of the the thoughts around just like the business side uh, of what you what you're working on here yeah where to go with this for publishing was a really big question and I think that so much of an author's career is determined by what publishing model you choose and so. For me, I, I knew that I needed to maintain some controls on the book. Um, since this information has always been passed down in code, there are actually codes that are in the book. And so I needed a, a publishing model where the publisher wasn't going to push back constantly and try to change little things. You know, the things here are done intentionally and, and for a reason. Um, so I ended up choosing a hybrid publishing model. And what that means is that they essentially bring their expertise and we partner. And as a result, I am the one who brings the funding, but I have all the resources of a publisher with major distributors. I'm not thinking about how am I going to get into Barnes and Noble. Last week, I just showed up in Barnes and Noble. It was wonderful. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, that said, the funding is tricky because this has been all-consuming. And so it was a really big question of the printing costs, the graphic design costs, um, all of those need to come up front in order to make the book. And it's really all on me at that point. You know, had I gone with a major publisher, they would have covered all of that. But... I would not have been guaranteed that everything goes in as, as Henry Lincoln and I feel it needs to. So. Right. Right. And, and in this type of industry right now, because correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first novel, correct? That you worked on? Yes. Or published. Right. So like, are, do you have different, um, you know, were people maybe not as uh, trusting of you to like deliver or was there anything like any of those types of conversations, the traditional route? So, you know, Kickstarter starts to become a potential vehicle. Is, was anything like that happening? Yeah, there were, there are a few reasons to do Kickstarter. Um, because I've been working on this book for the last five years and because of my relationship with 
Henry Lincoln, there's some credibility there. You know, I've been talking to everyone says, what do you do? And I say, well, I've kind of got this crazy job. I'm writing this book about this ancient secret. And, you know, so everyone I've met at a party for the last five years is going, wait, what? You know, they're on the edge of their seat waiting. Um, but at the same time, because it's my first novel, you don't necessarily know if I'm a good writer. Now, we've taken several different routes in terms of, you know, I released the prologue just so you can see I can scrap a sentence together. Um, but at the end of the day, there's an element of faith. And so Kickstarter seemed like a really good match in that way because it, it is on the one hand faith-based. You're talking about projects that haven't been out before, new ideas. And the other reason that Kickstarter was a really good match is that as a new writer, I really, really need to get the word out. And Kickstarter affords us an amount of social proof. You know, we've just raised almost $40,000. And so when somebody says, hey, yeah, you've written a novel, okay. A lot of people have written books, they keep them in their drawers or they self-publish, not any disparaging about like self-publishing, but you can really get anything published in today's market that doesn't necessarily make it a good book. And so um, the Kickstarter helped show that, yes, people are interested in this. Yes, there's some value there. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good jumping off point to just kind of focus a little bit more on the Kickstarter. So what was some of the pre-launch strategy? How were you getting the word out that you're, I mean, obviously you were working on it, but how did you start to get a public or actual crowd, you know, around what you were working on before you hit the launch button? That's great. Um, so our pre-launch campaign was long only because people knew that I was writing this book long before we ever went to Kickstarter. Um, so I did have kind of a, a built-in fan base in my inner circle. Um, I also do sacred mystery tours in the south of France with Henry Lincoln. So they're based all around these mysteries. So I did have a small mailing list of, of really interested people for that. Um, so we kind of, during pre-launch, prepped all of these people. But what we really did was, was get a team behind this. So we didn't just tell our people about this, we got them on board to tell their people. When you hear about something like this, an ancient secret in the south of France and mysteries and codes, it probably makes you think of someone in your life who's really into this. It's not everyone, but for some people, this is really important. For some people, this is a passion and a drive. And so what we were able to do was talk to people in an authentic way about how important this is to me, how important it is to Henry Lincoln, and really able to touch and move them in a way that they were bringing that out into their lives and getting people excited. Sure. That's awesome. What, what was maybe the weirdest thing, of, maybe in the dashboard of Kickstarter? Was, like, uh, there, was there a country that really supported you or, you know, or... You know, I don't know, just something that you maybe had no idea or had no expectations on and you were kind of like, wow, we had a huge support in Mexico. I don't know, just whatever it might be. Was there anything like that? You know, it, it, the, our, our following was really spread across the world. It wasn't terribly surprising only because these subjects are really international. So um, my Sacred Mystery Tours mailing list is already hitting people from 
you know, India and Germany, Italy, we've got people everywhere. The confines of this was a little bit that it's in English right now. So when we get to foreign rights, more people will be jumping in. Um, but I think I just got an email this morning saying I couldn't order it in Denmark. Um, that's after the Kickstarter. Now we're on Amazon, but, <laughs> um, but what was surprising to me was the way that people pledged. So I had talked to personally and reached out to hundreds of people. I expected a certain percentage of them, hopefully to buy a book. Um, but they didn't just buy a book. They bought two books or they went in at 150 for the autographed copy, or they got the fantasy style Lord of the Rings two scale map of the region that's, that our visionary artist did. You know, they really were, were scaling up to such a degree that I was blown away, even to, you know, all the way to our biggest reward was, was our ancient mystery quest by Sacred Mystery Tours. And, um, and some people who I never would have expected in a million years jumped on and are coming on the tour this year. Um, so it, it created some real, I think, shifts in how people normally operate. <laughs> well, let's walk through a little bit of that. Um, you know, books are, can be a pretty challenging thing to fundraise on Kickstarter, which is why I was excited to have this conversation because you just don't see a ton of them or, you know, are they funded at like three grand again, nothing wrong, but just, you know, the scale of this is actually, I think pretty large in, in the, in the, in the, in the publishing world on Kickstarter. Um, walk us through a little bit of how you were kind of thinking about those rewards. Cause I think that's at, when, when we, I look at your campaign, I think that's where the success truly was, was that the rewards allowed people to grow, right? They allowed to be more than just a book. So how did you kind of stand back and, 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 and not go too cheesy with something or, you know, or say like, oh, they'll buy my baseball hat, you know, type of thing. But how did you kind of lay out those rewards so that people had an opportunity to go deeper into the story, deeper into the book, get closer to it to a degree? How did you kind of walk through those steps when you were putting that together? That's great. So we actually did have some help on this. Um, Sal Brigman ended up advising on the final rewards. And so that made a difference in honing it. Um, what I did is for, I saw this coming a long way out. And so for maybe a year, I just started making a list of assets. Okay, these are all of the different things that we could offer. And, and my focus was really, I wanted to offer value to people. I didn't want to kind of trick them into giving me money in any way. I wanted to, to give something that was going to be meaningful and that was going to enrich their experience of the book to help them more fully enter the story. Um, and so we had lots of different kinds of things on there. At one point there were bonus chapters, um, we did have some idea for tote bags and, um, and t-shirts and things like that. Um, but in the end, you know, we decided that the most valuable were going to be the things that were really intricately related to the book. Um, and where Sal helped us out a lot was in hitting those price marks. And I think that really that structure made all the difference because giving somebody Something that's, you know, in the low range, that's the ebook, but then we're throwing in a, a coded bookmark that you can only get on, um, on Kickstarter and, and, a, and a few other things that are really making it kind of special, you know, so, so even if you're just getting an ebook in the email, you're going to get a, a PDF page of the coloring book 
and you're, you're going to get a little note in the mail with your coded bookmark from me. So you're getting two separate reward packages that are kind of coming in. And, and every reward structure was, was set up like that. Um, and the prices, the prices helped a lot, you know, so just making it really clear, having clear jumps between the tiers and then having that really high price mark was what ended up setting us over the edge as well. Um, that, that ancient mystery quest was up there for about 4,000. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, it was structured perfectly. That's, you know, I was, I was interested to hear how you got to that point. So it was, you know, you definitely got some great advice on that. What, um, you know, so what starts to happen now that, you know, funding's coming in. Um, I, I know you mentioned just Amazon a second ago, but like what starts to happen kind of behind the scenes in terms of printing, shipping, getting the backers or stuff? Just what, what's happening like today right now for you? Yeah. Um, today I am actually prepping to go to Oregon. I'm in Canada at the moment and we'll be heading out to where my publisher is based for a crazy season of launch and publication and, and getting everything ready. So um, basically we had the Kickstarter and we were already set to publish um, in or before we did the Kickstarter. The difference was sort of whether I need to take a second mortgage. Um, so, we're in line for a June 1st publication. And so before you officially publish, you usually do a pre-launch. So what we just had was a major pre-launch party. Um, it looked a lot like kind of the first and the last days of the Kickstarter, but with Amazon. <laughs> and so um, it was great. We got to see the heretic soar to the number one uh, new release in historical religious fiction. Um, and so now that we're launched and set up on Amazon, we will kind of continue to spread the word and I will be heading out west. Right now the graphic designer is putting the final layout into place. That's gonna come back to me for a kind of final read through and okay. And then it will go to the printer. That takes them about five or six weeks to really produce the book. Um, so we're expecting the book to be ready to go sometime in May. And I was able to kind of, I made some calls and was able to work out a special deal to get the book shipped directly from the printer to our Kickstarter individuals. So they're all actually going to have it before I do. <laughs> oh, nice. That's good though. You take, you got to take care of the backers. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, how, how about maybe like, you know, what is like the next five years look like for you? I mean, is it a, another book like this? Is it, is it a sequel to it? Is there more to unpack? You know, you know, what, what does it look like uh, down the road here? Um, this is definitely the first step in what I hope is a, a full-time career. Um, I got about halfway, three quarters of the way through the heretic and realized as I can't fit everything in this book. <laughs> um, so it is the first in a trilogy. I am already working on the second book behind the scenes. I've got the first 50 pages is written. The rest is in process. 
I'm sure I will one day just sit down and not be able to get up from the page and the whole thing will kind of blurb out and then I'll go into the editing of it. Um, the trilogy really is um, bringing to light the different discoveries that are being made right now, but also the application for our life. And I think it could have huge kind of, it's a way of looking at things that speaks deeply to how our political system runs, how we're treating the ecological crisis that we're in, um, and how we deal with basic things like depression and psychological dilemmas and, and the things that are, are really prevalent today. So that is, um, that is on the books. I also have what is beginning to be rather a backlog of, of things to write. Some years ago, I worked with a Vietnam vet who was a corpsman um, deep in the war. And he came home and really struggled with PTSD and, and through the whole thing was a musician. And he has this incredible story of, of how the Vietnam vets were treated when they got back of being a medic deep in the jungle of, of coming back and recovering from that. And so he's just turned 70 and I am going to be very shortly looking into helping him turn that into something that people can really, um, can really dive into and, and relate to. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. That sounds like a good one too. So, uh, well, awesome. Well, where can people kind of dive into your world, find out more, learn about you, follow you? Where, where can people go? Yay. This is great. So, um, alishalavino.com. My name's a little tricky to spell, but, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it in the, I'll Hopefully. spell it correctly in the, Get that uh, in, the in, the, in the notes. Yep. Right. That's a great way to join the community. So we are in the process of really creating a community of heretics around the world and heretic this word does not mean what people think it means you know it has been used to talk about people who you know have believed any number of things but what heretic really means the etymology comes from ancient greek and it means able to choose and so historically what happened is the catholic church didn't want people to choose they were telling you what you were to believe. They were telling you the way that it was. If you were choosing anything, anything at all, it was wrong. And so in this day and age, this is a really, really important concept to bring back. It's not about vilifying people who do this or that. It's that each of us has the ability, the right, and the freedom to choose for ourselves what kind of person we want to be, what kind of life we want to lead, you know, how we want to engage with the world. Um, so alishalavino.com to join the, join the heretics, um, jump on my mailing list or um, check out the sacred mystery tours in the South of France. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Alicia Lavino. Um, and I just, I really love connecting with people. You know, I, I don't know if someday I'll get to be, so big that I have people on this, but right now, you know, you send me an email and I answer it, you know, it's, it's one of the, the great joys is just really connecting with people individually and learning about 
what they care about, you know, because I'm just one little person over here, but I'm writing about some really big stuff. And so it's great to, to hear where people are coming from and to make those connections. That's awesome. Well, we're a fan over here. I uh, loved your campaign. I thought it was, you guys put, did a really great job on it. Um, looks like super, super successful. Uh, and we're following from, uh, from Detroit here. So uh, keep up the good work, keep writing. And uh, we, uh, we all over here look forward to seeing uh, all the stuff that you, uh, you put out. So thanks so much for taking time out of your day. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Jeff. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. How about that conversation? Awesome stuff here. You can tell she's uh, got a lot of passion. Uh, Well-spoken. I bet she's an amazing writer. And you can hear that there is a lot of other things kind of come come her way here in terms of writing. They've got a whole bunch of stuff going on here. So awesome, awesome conversation. Hope you guys got a ton out of it. Make sure you go over to our, uh, the links that we have in the show notes. Make sure you go to Amazon. Uh, go over to Kickstarter. Hit the follow now. Go to the website. Just jump into Alicia's world and... Uh, and, and join the conversation. Um, that's what you guys can do and, and make sure you guys support uh, uh, people coming up and creating. All right. If you guys are subscribers, thank you. If you're not, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, go to our website, read our blogs, click on stuff, right? we got a ton of stuff out there. If you ever want to pick a call and talk to us before you launch your campaign, feel free, feel free to do so. I give a 20 minutes to anybody, right? Let's talk. Let's make sure you're at least in the right headspace. Um, before you hit that launch button and um, make sure you got all your uh, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed, right? Okay, uh, let's go ahead and listen to some music and I appreciate everybody and have a great rest of the day. I'll talk to you all later.